1116 SEN, the award-winning crunch time. Find your kind of value at Honda with offers across a range of vehicles. See honda.com.au and the TAC safety barriers reduce fatalities by approximately 85%. Safety barriers save lives. Getting us towards zero. Bounces into the pocket taken by Caddy. It would take his very best from there. And can you believe it? He's delivered off the left. Almost defying all those rules. Got help at the back from Heppel. Now there's a path. Is the bounce goes McDonald tipping oh. away, but he's met by oh, Grimes. Terrific stuff, Dylan Grimes. Tigerish stuff. Edwards lags the kick. It's aimed at Dusty. They fooled them all. And Dusty takes the mark. Dustin Martin from 40 metres out. Directly in front. It's there. As the Tigers gas these under the accelerator. High and back to the hot spot. Richmond with numbers. Devon Smith rose underneath. Potted it out the front. It rolls at the goal front and went through. They steal another one from the crumb, the Bombers, and they claim the lead on the back of it. The setup kid, Caddy's coming with a rush. And he's crashed in and taken the mark. That was so Josh Caddy, 2018, as Caddy puts it straight through the middle for his third. Kick to pull forward. What have they got? Caddy! <laughs> Even better than the previous. He's putting his name at half forward flank the all the same Josh Caddy boots his four. He lags the hand pass out the side to McIntosh, who shares it on to Baker, who snaps the goal. Nobody goal. does it better than Richmond when they do that. They are magnificent, featuring. It's a joy to come along and watch them. High ball up inside the 50. Good luck marking that. Hooks it underneath. Oh, oh, they got push. Who would have thought? Kyle Hooker's lining up for his third of the final term. Hooker pumps it through. Their season lives. <laughs> Two and a half minutes to play. The Dons are down by nine. Careful, gave it to Sard on the fly. Only one thing to do, and that is fly through the middle that he's hunted down. It's not the old Richmond, it's the new Richmond. They hunt, they chase, and they inevitably get you. And Richmond win again at the MCG, as they always do. We'll get the majority of our best side up and going next week, get them back playing together and get a little bit of that clunkiness out, I think, that we're, we're probably seeing at the moment. We're not, we're not playing our best footy, but we think it's not too far away. It's an ominous warning supporting Richmond's air of invincibility as the Tigers lock in the minor premiership. Can anyone challenge them for the title? The comeback wasn't necessarily a comeback, but it was sort of keeping that margin relatively close. There wasn't a lot between the two teams, I didn't think, throughout the night. So the message to the players was around what we learnt from that game, about uh, where are we at as a group, are we comfortable with where we're at, where's the improvement going to come from, and be excited about the opportunity to play next week and keep growing. John Worsfold doesn't think the Bombers are far away, but we want your view on whether the season is a wasted one. I think we've got to be a little careful what we wish for because there will be um, carnage in terms of the number of suspensions. 22 games I see is too many anyway, but the length of the game I think is a conversation piece that, that needs to be had. Stoked to be uh, a Tiger till 2022. Thank you so much for all for the support. We're the best contested footy team in the comp. You can't do that if you're a mentally weak group. So that's not the issue. It is a dire situation. The club and the administration ask for a lot of patience from the supporters, but you just feel now that that's starting to wear really thin. While we obsess over the ladder predictor and the games on which so much rests, the future is ever-present. The man shaping the game, Steve Hocking, is our headline guest on The Crunch.
It's another massive edition of Crunch Time for Honda. Find your kind of value at Honda with offers across a range of vehicles. See honda.com.au and the TAC. Safety barriers save lives, getting us towards zero. to the mighty MCG on this Saturday morning. It is crunch time for Honda. Find your kind of value at Honda. See honda.com.au and the TAC. Safety barriers saves lives, getting us towards zero. A big show coming up. The beautiful sunny morning in Melbourne is gradually eroding here as the grey clouds start to work their way across the MCG. And a bit of a chill to go with it. Rain is forecast. It's a huge afternoon for Port Adelaide in particular as they host Collingwood. Lots to reflect on from last night, of course, and those mighty Tigers. They are unbelievable cane corns. Welcome to you. It was great to be here to see them in action again last night. But the essence of footy we are seeing in front of us right now, school footy, <laughs> crowd going nuts at St Bernard's and St Pat's, and it's uh, it just reminds you about all the different aspects of our great oh, game, Oh, it's it? amazing. We've got this little pocket where the St Bernard's uh, school kids and fans are in, and they one of their teammates just kicked a goal from right in front of them on the boundary line, one of the best goals I've seen all year. It in was it, Josh Caddy, yes. competition right in front of them, and they went absolutely nuts. So uh, it's good to be back here. It takes you back to school footy uh, last night. Did we learn anything? Probably probably as expected. I would have, I would have thought. I thought uh, Essendon certainly had their chances, uh, particularly late. I thought the miss from Hooker, which we're going to talk about, it's, it continues to drive everyone nuts, these players that kick around the body. And I, I can't believe, I can't believe the coaches don't come out with a stronger uh, stand on it. Bob, I <laughs> uh, saw Chris Scott come out and say, no, nah, it's just the way that it's done now. And those people that are critical played in the 90s and they're going to move with the times. Well, that's fine if they were accurate. But but they're not. So a little frustration of mine, as you can tell. But uh, look, Richmond, um, the, the myth grows. I think they're uh, going to be extremely hard to beat. All right, as uh, Kane alluded to, that uh, little giggle was from Bob Murphy down the line with Jerry Waitley at uh, Kidinia Park, GMHBA Stadium, where I guess the game, the prospect of the game, is not as grand, but the stakes are just as high for the Cats as. What they are for Port to Adelaide, those vital four points, boys. It's a beautiful sunny day, but it's deceptive because when you got out of the car, it had a real <laughs> chill factor. And there's a bit of old school footy happening here too because there's auditions for the long kick, the uh, grand final day extravaganza put on by Fox Footy, and we've had right around echoing around an empty stadium, 54 metres, <laughs> 62 metres, and then there was one that came over... 30 metres. Bob, welcome. Hello, Jared. It's probably a good time to just let you know that I've actually put our names down on the list. We'll be, so if we, if we have to duck off later, we'll see, we'll see right. if we can launch a torp further than those boys. Now, great to talk to you, Jared, and to you, Hutto, and to you, Kane. I want to I want to get straight into snap goal kicking in this game. <laughs> go head to head with right, Kane. Go for it then. Get into it. It's, it's whatever they practice. If, if they're practising it, the, the issue for me is if, specifically with the hooker one last night. If that's something that's just new to him, if that's not what his his routine is, then that's a major, major problem. That's a, that's well, a, that's a choke. But it, Well, Bob, he goes back and he slots it, does not look like missing from 40 metres out. He just needed to do the exact same thing from 20. On a similar angle, I understand he can't snap around the body from 40, but he was kicking them beautifully straight as from the set shot. And he's a defender usually. He's a you know a bit part forward, so how much goal kicking he has done, I'm not sure. But it didn't look like he'd practised it to me. Well, well, that could be said of anyone who misses a set shot, though. When <laughs> well, they, he just shanked they, it. He didn't even... Yeah, well, oh, and we, we never see forward shanking set <laughs> shots when they run straight at it. 
No, please. No, the, the players, I, I, I train with a lot of players that their, their, their routine is within 20, 25 metres, that's, that's their preferred option, the snap mm. around the corner. It's just going to upset a few of the Luddites, not naming them. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> just before we get into the Richmond discussion, and uh, after our first break, we'll, uh, we'll turn our attention to Essendon and take some calls from Essendon fans. So if you're an Essendon fan, we will get to you shortly. But just the Devon Smith action. Uh, we saw it down in front of us at Camden McIntosh, and really this wouldn't have raised anyone's interest, I don't think, a couple of weeks ago, but given what happened with Andrew Gaff, uh, he, he swung, sort of uh, you know, was, uh, the tempers were, were fraying a little bit, and it was a, I guess you'd say a reflex, instinctive uh, fling of the of the fist, but given, it wasn't that dissimilar to what Andrew Gaff did, he just was lucky enough to miss. Oh, I'm just looking at the still shot in the Herald Sun now, he's so lucky. If that had just collected him on the point of the jaw, we're talking, I don't know, three or four centimetres higher that the exact same result could have happened. So I, I'm, I'm not sure if you can penalise someone for attempting to strike. I'm not it sure if that's able even, to. Yeah, I think you, you, you used to be able to. Well, yeah. It, it needs to be a conversation. The, we can ask Steve Hocking, who's going to be our guest later on, about his attitude to this. So, Gerald, you're, you're an expert on all matters tribunal and so forth. Um, what do you think? I don't think there's a suspendable offence anymore that I can tell. Because um, there's no impact, is there? No, no. So I imagine that would still fall into misconduct. But that that's sort of the separate issue is the throwing of that punch is that's crazy days. Is mm. If the players are not going to take any responsibility for this and it feels like they're not, is we can't be throwing that punch out on the field can't for the cop- risk that it, of what it might do. Can't cop that. When we, when we have players who are suspended for split-second things that are in-game, the ball bounces between, they you know turn to block themselves, get someone high in the head, we give them a week or two weeks. That's a violent act. Devin Smith last night. That is just straight up violence. That's a, that's throwing a punch at someone who's not prepared for a punch. He's not in a fight. Well, I, I we we have to look at that. I, is there room for that to be either the classification to be altered again, or is, is there any chance that is sent yeah, straight so to the tribunal? That's the so this this was the Tom Bug punch, I reckon, rather than the Andrew Gaff punch. And Tom Bug landed it, knocked out Callum Mills, and got six weeks. So. I just think Michael Christian, who is only the implementer of policy, not the maker of policy, said during the week that if we did suspend for punching, there would be carnage, ignoring that if you actually put a proper penalty in place, it would surely reform the behaviour. Is The game has a responsibility, does it not, next year to attempt to reform the behaviour of players and stop them from throwing punches. Not ask them to stop throwing punches, but to actually stop them throwing punches. Yeah, it makes sense to me. So will the players accept a suspension for an act like that It doesn't matter what the players... Yeah, they have no choice. So they've had the chance, I think, to own it, and I actually don't blame them for not. And it'll be a challenge for us on the outside, because when there's minimal impacts, uh, we as a collective will blue. But if punches are going to be thrown in such a cavalier way now, is the game can't tolerate that. I mean, as a matter of logic, the game can't tolerate that. Take all that aside, how's the self-awareness of Devin Smith at the moment? Do you think that's something that John Worsfold would, would have a word to him about? I mean, that's, with, the, with the climate of the game at the moment after recent events, to throw that punch on Friday night football is just... The, the stupidity just beggars belief. Yeah, I hope he would watch it and go, oh, gee, that, that's that's ridiculous. And I really have to have a think about that. All right, let's turn our attention to the Tigers because uh, we heard it in the highlights. Uh, even though it wasn't a great game, there was moments in that game where they just just exuded the class and, and the cut above the rest that they really seemed to be. Yeah, And, and when they when they 
They team up in, fr- in front of us yes. as we, we were last night. They, they are a sight to behold. Well, you have to, you almost have to watch them live, don't you, Hutto, when you're talking about the off the ball stuff. And you, you just, I urge you to go and watch Alex Rance play live. It's unbelievable the way that he backs himself in and backs the system in. Uh, the one in the first quarter, I think it was, was Grimes that came off and came off his man and, uh, Punched the ball forward when it looked as though Essen were going to come forward and score. It's their defensive, yeah, their defensive structure on this ground is so hard to score against. And, and Essendon had their moments. I thought they tried to move the ball the way that we know teams have had success against Richmond, but in the end they break down because Richmond are so good at getting back and covering for each other and playing that team defensive footy that on this ground, which the, they'll leave their, they'll leave here this week, but then they won't leave probably for the rest of the year. They're just going to be so hard to score against. And it, it feels like, I don't know if you feel the same, Jared, when you watch Richmond, you think, oh, we, we, each team kind of, like you're alluding to there, Kane, each team kind of shows us that, oh, they, they can be vulnerable at times, and you think, oh, another team will watch this, and then when they play them, they'll be able to yeah. execute it. <laughs> yeah. But no one seems to be able to. The pressure is too intense to follow through with what you're trying to um, to systematically pick apart. And then the go-ahead football is just... I, I, I mean, I can't think of another team who's played like it, and it's pointless trying to copy it because it's become their signature, it's ingrained in them, it's instinctive, is take the yards, every player knows that the ball is driving forward so they know in which, which direction. It's so surely utterly there's a brilliant. Count, is, there, is there not a counter to that if you know that they are a go-ahead team? <laughs> well, the only weakness I can sort of think is that they're not strong at stoppage. They lose by 10 again last night. They're extremely weak when Nan Curves is out of the ruck. We saw the goal that Bell Chambers kicked late. There's an area there that if you could win stoppage and then be able to get it into your front half and, and lock it in like they do to you, that that's an opportunity. So if you can win centre bounce, get it in your forward half and then lock it in by winning stoppage, there's an element there where you can put them under some pressure. But that's the only weakness that I can see. But you can see that the, 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 the buzz for the Tigers is when they, they know that every side coming at them plans for them. And they go, yeah, well, what we've got is going to be different to everyone else and we're going to do it. And the Tigers just hang in, hang in, hang in. And then they take their game, their pressure game, to that level that only they can go to. I think they get a s- sort of perverse mm. enjoyment out of just seeing their opponents go, oh, that's what, that's what happens, that's what they do. Bob, as it sits, uh, the ladder now just, uh, it, it'll be Richmond taking on Hawthorne in the first final on this ground in front of us. Uh, the, the setup of Hawthorne, d- does that challenge them, the, their defensive structure? Because they're sound in that aspect as well. Does Hawthorne's defensive structure stand up yeah, against they're, them? They're, yeah. Um, until, until the Hawks get Sicily back, I think that, that changes mm. things a little bit. I just think Richmond do, they just, they just go, much deeper than the Hawks. I just, I just yeah. don't see them in that class yet. I think they've if, got the, the, if, yeah. speed to, the speed to challenge mm. Hawthorne, I think, Richmond. A team can get beaten in a big final on one day, but I sort of feel like we're at the point where it'll be a shock if it mm. happens. It's mm-hmm. not that it can't happen, but it'll, it'll sit us back in our seats if it does happen. Mm. Is Hawthorne the most likely of the other teams then to, to beat them in that one final or I think not? structurally and... You know, if you're going to pick a coach to do something that might be able to break it down in a way that we haven't seen, you'd pick Alistair Clarkson. Chris mm. Scott has had his shot at it, and Geelong got close, and they played in a completely different way to how Hawthorne would go about it. But, yeah, I sort of feel with Hawthorne, you know, if they played six times, Richmond would win five, and on the other occasion, Clarkson would come up with this stroke of genius, which might just break it down for long enough for them to win. I do think it's one of the great questions going into the finals is teams are going to be preparing for the finals for themselves, yeah. but... 
and they also need to prepare to. if they play Richmond. Yep. So do they, are they two separate things, or do they just go, this is the way we're going to play? Because there's clearly there's at least two, maybe three different ideas about how to go about it. And, you know, the possession game has been has worked interstate. It hasn't worked yeah. here at the MCG. Well, I think you just your priority is just to qualify clearly as high as you can. Then Once you qualify, say if And hope you don't the, meet them. Well, well, say if it's the Giants that qualify fourth and they play Richmond, then you have got two weeks to plan and train and get your squad healthy to take on Richmond on this ground. So yeah, I, agree with I, that. I wouldn't be worrying about it now. I'd just be getting as much percentage, as many wins in the board, and then two weeks you've got a game plan to go in there and try and execute against I, them. I don't think the clubs... I agree with what you're saying, and I just don't think there's there's clubs in there who've got the luxury of being able no. to plan for both. It's like we've just, we've just got to yeah. white-knuckle it and hopefully what we've got is enough. All right, we will take a break. We want your calls on... You can ring on Richmond, but the Bombers in particular, 9429-1116. John Warsfold will hear from after the break. He was talking about how they handled the, the Richmond spare defenders. Well, he claims they, were, they weren't spare defenders, so it's interesting itself, and it relates to what we've just been talking about. But of a broader question with the Bombers, do, do you consider it a wasted season? I heard Rowan Connolly again say last night he thinks they're... The lessons they've learned, they're ready to really launch in 2019. Kingy tipped them, I think, to win the flag. I'm not, to, not sure we're allowed to mention this still, in, but he's not here today in 2018. So, Essendon fans, are you convinced? And if you're not yet, what else do you need to build your team? And who's going to stop the Tigers if anyone? 9429-1116. It's over to you on Crunch Time for Honda. Find your kind of value at Honda. See honda.com.au. And the TAC safety barriers save lives. Getting us towards zero, Steve Hawking to join us a little later. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Besides the screen you spent most of your time staring at this week, chances are you are also captivated by a big screen video installation. From billboards to scoreboards, we inform and entertain audiences with our big screen solutions. Visit bigscreenvideo.com.au to see how BSV can bring your space to life. On 1116 SEN, the award-winning crunch time. Find your kind of value at Honda with offers across a range of vehicles. See honda.com.au. Essendon's journey through season 2018. Aggressive recruiting that largely came up trumps. Blew the start like Chautauqua. Identified and resolved their issues. Missed the finals. Kane Corns, wasted season or the season they had to have? Uh, wasted for me, Jared. I think we've seen their best footy can beat uh, anyone. Losses against teams like Carlton have clearly got them in the position that they are today. So complete wasted season and I don't subscribe to the fact that you need a season to launch into another season that just doesn't wash with me because everyone else is going to improve there'll be some sides that we don't expect like we've seen this year so complete waste if you ask me they're good enough to be there Bob missed opportunity I don't think you can have a wasted season no such thing as a wasted season that really <laughs> yes really <laughs> <laughs> but I, th- I think it'll it'll be that one they, they, they got close they would have now seen them in the back half of this year they they look they sound like they see themselves as as a finals type side 
it's a kick in the kick in the backside to, to spur him on for next year. Nine fourteen nine eleven sixteen to cast your verdict on Essendon. David is in Reservoir. Hello, David. How you going, gents? Good. Yeah, look, I oh, pretty much this, as the same uh, same as the first call. I think it is a wasted season. I think the mismanagement of players like Joe Denaher didn't help. Mm. Playing him with an injury, um, and after Mark Neal left, it just turned. So I'm not sure why we couldn't get it right at the start. But going back to that Devin Smith scenario, to me, if you look back at the vision, it looked like they both swung at each other, or am I wrong in saying that? There was argy-bargy between the two of them, Mm. but there's one proper punch that gets thrown at the climax of it. So that's what you're entitled to to deal with. Andrew's in Nidri. Welcome, Andrew. Yeah, fellas. Look, I'm an Essendon fanatic, so... I think it was a mixed bag. I don't know if it was a wasted season, but the opportunities were to be taken. But um, we just Fantasia's the biggest loss for us this year, in and out of the out of the side. And I think if he was in the side more often and playing his good football, we would have won last night. And I, and I hesitate to say that he would have been out of all the players missing last night. He was the biggest one for both sides. Um, midfielder and a key defender, a big key defender. That's what, what we they need. need. Mm. Yeah, because I think that um, you, you look at the defence. Uh, a key defender who can move the ball out quickly. Uh, I, think, take, I actually know. think the defence is, is okay. When you put Hooker and Hurley there together, that's as good as any key defensive duo in the comp. And if Danaher gets up and going... Francis he looked good last night. Yeah. He looked really good, didn't he? Is that third yeah. sort of one, almost like the Duday role he plays for Adelaide. He is a real bonus if they can get him going. The forward line is okay with Tip and Woody and Fantasia surrounded by Joe. That, that it, was bizarre that Francis started on the bench after he... I can't remember, was it the start of the third quarter? Third quarter he started, yeah. yeah, that was curious because he'd played super footy in the second quarter. Well, he's got all the tools, can mark it and can really kick it. He's tough and, and, and makes good decisions. So oh, he's he's almost a positive for them this year. I, I agree bonus. with that, yeah. yeah, late in the year in particular. Michael's in Roxburgh Park. Hello, Michael. Got you there, Michael? Yeah, I'm here, mate. Can you hear me? Yep, got you. Yeah, I've got two observations, one on the Bombers and one on um, one on the Tigers. Firstly, on the Bombers, I don't think it's a waste of season yet, but it will be if Wusher and the coaching group goes away from him. And I think they've found their brand this year, um, which is speed. Um, I don't actually think they need a big body mid. I used to think that. I think they need to invest in Devin Smith, get him away from the half-back line and put him in the midfield. They really need to go all in on this outside run that they have and this straight-down-the-gut sort of um, game style. So if their coaching group backs away from it and tries to get change it up, then it will be a waste of season, I feel. Um, and on the Tigers, I just have to give um, Hardwick some credit. Um, everyone talks about Clarkson and Buckley, and you, I just uh, marvel at the fact that at the start of the year, most thought, yeah, Richmond will make the finals, but probably won't be able to back up their results in 2017. Every club has hunted Richmond this year. And when I was at the game last night and saw Richmond absorb the pressure Essendon applied, particularly in the last 10 minutes, the frantic nature of it, with a, with a big part team, um, it just shows that um, we're going to be really difficult to beat for years to come, I believe.
Yeah, yeah. Well, they're a substantially better team this year than they were at the climax of last year. He was the coach of the year last year. So nobody's missing what Damien Hardwick has been able to achieve and to go on after the flag and win the minor premiership and set it up in such a way is phenomenal. Let's take one more call before we delve into a few of those issues that have been raised. Nick is in Cranbourne. Nick, welcome. How are you, boys? Good. Good, Nick. Good. I was at the game last night, and I actually went, and this might sound a bit cocky, but I don't mean to. I was going to sit back and enjoy a loss, because I haven't seen um, much of Essendon, but with half our, or 80% of our midfield out, I thought they were very average side. Very average. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't rate them at all. I don't think they've improved at all. Harsh judgment at the end, Nick. I like the Richmond supporter who goes, going to have a nice loss here. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot to digest there. (laughs) There's a lot to take in. So how do you want to carve Essendon up? They're sort of the obvious. They've got a decision to make around Brendan Goddard, um, which they are dwelling over, and they seem like they're going to wait to see what their list ends up looking like, and it doesn't feel like it's coming Mm. right now. Mm. You need to sit down and and think, is he in... Round one next year, is he in the best 22? Uh, and make make a call on that if you take the emotion out. And that, that answer is yes. Once you look at the, your final list at the end of the trade period, then you go again. Uh, if not, you you say goodbye. I think it's, it's as simple as that, unfortunately. And, and for me, it's, it's... So you can wait on that decision? I think so, yeah. I, I, I don't think there's any rush. He clearly wants to go on. Um, but he would understand that um, you know at that age, you, you sometimes have to wait. Um but is he, is he the difference between them making the finals next year and no? But does he add around the club and the leadership and that? That's the decision they'll have to make up. Way is, up, way up. is he value for another club? Don't all rush to answer. Uh, so I thought you were asking Kane. I, I don't. I don't think so. I don't, no, I don't think so. I, I think I'm not. I'll be interested to hear what Kane your thoughts were. Of what was the what was the sort of rationale in your in your own mind around whether you would go on one more year? Mine was, could I get through another winter? Did I have it? Could I get through? And, and I, I, watching Brendan Goddard last night, I think I, the idea of can he get through another 12 months, it, it doesn't look like it to me. I yeah. Think he's, he's, he's right at that point now. Yeah, I, see, I'm a little bit different. I was just completely mentally gone. I just, the getting myself up for game day, I sort of wake up on game day and have a sick feeling in my stomach like I didn't want to be out there. So that's when I... Well, that's when I knew I was done, and that was probably six months before yep. I retired, and you push through that for a while, but in the end, it, it gets the better of you. So he, he clearly wants to compete on game day, but you're right. Can he get through another preseason? Can his body hold up? Has he lost his speed? Last night, it looked like it, but you know, you've got to take... The other thing to consider, I think, is that the Essendon defence does have quite a bit of experience in it. Michael Hurley's an experienced defender now, hooker the same, so... I think that I, I just sort of think that he's he did his job. He's done his job for us, and mm. he's, he's given that group everything. His his football intellect. He's given them the best of his physical attributes, and I think now it's, it's mm. getting to that point. And with Francis as well, you know, as Hutto said, did did they expect that? Did they expect his last four months? He's almost playing the role that Goddard plays. You've got McGrath across half back and some other youngsters. Police well, to come so, back potentially yeah. too. So um yeah, but it, it's probably genuine as Jared said, fifty fifty at the moment. And what do they need, or do they have the pieces? They just need them all out there together. 
Well, Danaher is the obvious one that will come yep. back, how that all fits together. Yeah, the midfield's a bit same-same for me. When you look at Heppel and Merritt and Zaharakis, they're similar body shape, they're similar running speed. Langford's made some progression this year. Yeah, and I've, even like Myers going through there has been important for them because he's something different. So can they add a different sort of look, you know, as, as someone like a Gaff or a Polak who gives them that different speed and a bit of ball use on the outside would be the what, what I think, the only thing they need. I think their list is in pretty good shape. Yeah, I, th- I think another run up. I, was, I couldn't help watching last night just the the mirror image of Josh Caddy at the Tigers and and Jakey Stringer at, at the other end of the Bombers. I think if if I was at the bomb, that's that's the that's mm. the that's the blueprint for Jake Stringer. That Josh, they're quite similar, and they are yep. just this physical lump of talent. That Josh, but Josh Caddy has now worked it out of how hard he has to work. His impact in games is is quite consistent. And Jake had, he's kicking too clearly as well. Yeah, Bob, quite. Jake hasn't. Yeah, and Jake a quiet night last night. Um, a couple of little flashes, but that's that's kind of his his you know his sort of trademark. I think to take him to the next level changes. You know, they get Danaher back and. And Jake becomes that Josh Caddy type of player at, at Essendon that, oh, that point, changes the face of them. Well, Stringer has 13 possessions last night. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Right, Caddy has 17, but Caddy kicks 4-1. Stringer kicks 1-2 and, and probably shanks a couple that he could have kicked. So it's not that different. Stringer had two more kicks than Caddy had last night. And it could ha- this is not asking for the world here. No, it's, the, not. Oh, know, it's, it's a good it's, comparison. It's a, it's a, it could happen quickly. Harmabet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. On 11.16 SEM, the award-winning crunch time. Find your kind of value at Honda with offers across a range of vehicles. See honda.com.au. Night and what it means just a little later. Reflect on John Warsfold's comments about the spare defender that wasn't. He claimed last night they didn't have one, uh, Kane. We'll talk about that because that is one of the great problems with trying to counter the Tigers, as you talked about. Just their system of defence is unbelievable. Well, it, look, it? it looked like they were had a couple back at stages and made it difficult to score. Even uh, even the Richmond player, Trent Cochin, at half-time was interviewed on the Channel 7 broadcast and he said it's difficult for us to score because of the amount of loose players this and then have behind the ball. So And he was... Was he in the coach's box or he was certainly yes. next to the coach's box? So he would have been observing the conversation. So, yeah, it's all interpretation, isn't it? Uh, it is indeed. Let's get into the crunch in the meantime for the TAC Safety Barriers Save Lives, getting us towards zero. Uh, Andy, uh, Andy Maher said, uh, alluded to something during the week, Jerry, that uh, you might be able to clear up. I know we're going to speak to Steve Hocking and he can certainly decide this or not, but, um, or, or can, can get the absolute, uh, word from, from headquarters on this, but he said during the week that there is a chance the AFL could award priority picks at the top of the order to Carlton and Gold Coast, meaning the clubs would share the first five picks. How, if that was to be the case, how would the other 16 clubs react, particularly St Kilda and Brisbane, to that sort of prospect? Not very well. <laughs> 
So I don't think... So Steve Hawking will hopefully clear this up. Is The AFL's view, as I understand it, is that that, that is an old idea, that they won't do that anymore because it skews the competition too much. And that was how clubs landed in tanking difficulties Correct. or strategy. Yeah. Is it just skewed the competition too much. So priority picks, as I understand it, uh, would be in the way that Brisbane were awarded theirs at the end of the first round, and that does make more sense. So Kane Little said in uh, late May, uh, he said the issue of priority pick hasn't been discussed. I can't stress any more that we're really confident in the direction we're headed. We're keen to just knock it, the priority pick, on the head and move on. Why uh, have they finally realised the dire state their list is in, Jared? Why the sudden um, turnaround? Yeah, I don't mind the strategy of it. The strategy in May is we're not hopeless and the messaging to our players and our coaches is we're not we're not destitute and they didn't expect to be as bad as they've been across the course of the season so I actually I don't mind the public messaging in that but I they're duty bound aren't they to ask because if you can get something if the AFL is is of a uh, of a mind that they're prepared to lend a helping hand you'd be crazy not to ask for it what do you think of this convention of having to ask for it is um it- well when there was a formula uh, clubs manipulated it to get what was on offer. And that, that was bad for the competition. The tanking era was terrible for football, I think. So I guess you remove the automatic triggers and make it a, a more subjective judgment that you, you know, there's almost an indignity to applying for it. So I know it's sort of the secret herbs and spices, but it's surely better than a prescriptive way where you can deliberately lose games to take advantage of it. I'm not sure, though, it should be up to the clubs to actually ask for it, should, should it? I mean, so well, just, shouldn't it be up to the AFL just to say they need it or they don't? Yeah, maybe. It, Although that, that's ultimately what they do, isn't it? It is, it's, yeah. So yeah. you say, we'd like to be considered, and then they go away and consider it. Oh, yeah. Oh, the idea of the prescriptive that we had didn't work, and I, I think we probably have to be honest about that and go, that didn't serve the competition. Would, would it change things drastically, though, if the, if the, the idea of a club asking or not asking if that was just removed yeah and it was just and it was just you know the the judgment call of who needs it who does doesn't doesn't really change that much does it no so and then the other idea i suppose is around years out of finals and david king prosecutes this really well so it's not my view but i absolutely respect it is that once you spend a certain number of years out of finals you do get this extra round of picks from 19 onwards and until you make it, you continue to get one extra player because the theory being that one extra player can't, at that stage, can't materially change, of, uh, can't materially skew the competition. So I, I do, yeah. I do wonder to that first point, Jared, and, and along the lines you're talking, whether the, it'd be interesting to ask Steve Hocking whether the only option is to give that pro, that priority pick at the start of the next round, or whether you could actually, as someone did suggest to me, they could insert it in the middle of the first round, so that those top clubs get their picks uh, or bottom clubs get their picks but then that pick goes somewhere in the middle of the first round would that be too high that be too much of a prize do you think um, um yeah could, would that risk skewing the comp or is the comp already skewed i don't know the answer to that the, the other the bit i don't mind about so if you like the idea of a an extra round of picks for years missing finals then the extra rider on that which somebody suggested to me was you could make those you have to trade that pick so you do get 19, but for the clubs who are in all sorts, uh, another 18-year-old mightn't be mm-hmm. what you need, but 19 is a valuable asset to go and trade for a player yep. in their mid-20s with another club. So you would 
um, there would be a stimulus offered, which you th- which then another club can benefit from, and you can get something that might impact immediately. So there's probably a few more creative ways to think about it than what we've been led to in the past. As long as you can get the players to come to your club, yeah, I guess yeah. that's, that's the that's the only problem I see mm. with that. Because I don't mind that even even the idea of giving having a almost a, 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 the the option of the best. 21 plus, you know, that pick has to be used on a 21 plus player mm. at the at the end of the first round. So, if they're an absolute gun, every club gets a chance to pick them. But if not, then the start of them before the second round starts, those those extra those clubs get the picks of the best 21 year olds around the country. Don't mind that, Hutter. Thank you. All right. <laughs> Will there be carnage at the Saints? We discussed this a little last night. Uh, there's obviously going to be change. Will it be as much as carnage? <sighs> when prominent journalists start talking like they have been over the last fortnight, it, it very rarely is there not. So it, it appears the club has, has backed him, and Jared, you'll be able to speak. You've, you've got contacts closer to it than what I have. But it, it, it appears to be above Simon Lethleen and uh, Matt Finnis, and that the board, if that is changed, then uh, it could be uh, a lot of strife for Alan Richardson. That's the way I see it. So Robbo's piece is, is interesting in the Herald Sun today. Peter Summers, who's just such a calm man, and a couple of his quotes, orderly change doesn't make for very good reading, does it? Uh, It's simply not going to happen in terms of an eruption. And on um, Alan Richardson, it's just confirming the extremely consistent line that he is the man for next year. And then what happens beyond that, which is the public line, is to back him for 2019. But to know that if things don't turn next year, then his chances of seeing 2020 wouldn't be great. Uh, but I defer a little bit to, to what Hutto said last night. Is, is there's, there are, there's, there's no doubt there's rumblings. There's, there's so agi- there is hierarchy is holding a really strong line, a really strong public line. But Hutto, there, there's rumblings. Yeah, there's definitely some parties out there that are still agitating and want more change than that. The the financial reality of this is is clearly significant. In this, uh, we know his his next year is is you know is dependent on performance. So that's that's not so much that. But they're they're I mean they're in they're in huge debt and they really can't. And there's the there's the there's the cap implications as well, the soft cap implication for the footy spend. So it, it would be a very expensive exercise for them to sack Alan Rich. So that's part of the, the thought as well, Kane. But if it's if they're you know one and seven at the start of next year, it's not that much. They're still going to have to pay him out for next year anyway. So it's they must be factoring that in. It's not going to be. It's not going to save them a lot by keeping him on for say the first eight weeks of next year, hoping that it will go well. It but does. It does sound like uh, Brett Ratton is very likely to go there. It sounds like Scott Lysette. That is to me happening. Going to happen. Okay. Um, I think their offer is significantly greater than that of West Coast and of Port Adelaide. Um, so I think that's, that's, that's likely to happen. Is there anyone else, the Andrew Gaffey, that we're seeing hearing North Melbourne now or yeah, West Coast? I've so, got no, no closer read on that, but um, obviously with uh, his father falling ill as well, that's uh, potentially another It's a factor. funny situation for the club to be in with Richo because he needs immediate results. So he's almost going to have to be removed from the off-season list strategy because he's all in for next year or even just the first half of next year. He needs to start next year like a house on fire, whereas the club has wide-ranging um, priorities in terms of longevity. But Richo will want anyone that can help. He'll sell the farm to get Lysette and other players, Gaff or whoever. That has to be a whole-of-club decision, though. Well, it, well, it has to be. That's what I'm saying. He almost has to be removed, and they have to factor that in because if the coach is making the call, he needs immediate results. Yeah, I think Simon Lethlane's got got total control over yeah. this and so he spoke about this being a, a 
the blip here. So they're going to hold to the idea that if they can improve their list significantly, they'll win games in a manner that they haven't done this year. And I do think that is separate to Alan Richardson. So there's going to be substantive changes. They'll have a new president by the start of next season. And that is by design. And Summers spoke in Robbo's piece about the the um, the committee that had been put together to work out the succession plan. And the football director is changing as a matter of design. The coaching staff is going to change by a matter of public declaration and acknowledgement that they haven't been the team that they wanted to. And the list is going to change uh, enormously on on whatever they can do. Is clearly Lethlean has been as ambitious as possible to to change that list from year to year as much as is possible. And it looks like they're holding to the centrepiece. Well, they are publicly. They're holding to the centrepiece that Richardson will be the coach. Gary Lyons spoke about the notion of truth serum at the end of the year with players. And I guess, mm. Bob, this is a little bit of what you lived with in the Brendan McCartney scenario. It wasn't until the conversations were had with the players that that the extent of things became clear. Is that a reasonable read? Yeah, yeah. The, 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 under, the underflow, I guess, if you like, of, of discontent sort of that, that sort of came to the came to the floor and then huge changes were made. So I think I don't get this, the same sense from St Kilda at all around around that at this point. But I think I th- Simon Lethlean, from what you can gather, was an observer for much of this year. wasn't wasn't hands on as much as just sort of seeing the lay of the land, and now he's he's taken the reins. And so I think they, they'll use this off season as a as a chance to Gary referred to the truth serum of clear the decks. This is exactly where everyone stands. This is where you're on your last chance. There, there will be a a healthy sense of desperation, I think, of this. We're, we're playing for the farm next year and beyond. So, are you, here, are you are you really in for the long haul, or you're on you're on the edge? So, um, it would be an uncomfortable feeling for 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 everyone at St Kilda at the moment. But that's also sometimes where the best things happen after, thereafter. Nick Nick Rebolt was pretty adamant with you, Jared. Was it this week or the yeah, week before that he week. wouldn't have a hands-on involvement? Yeah, and he he very much avoided the, the question, is Richardson the right man, in a way <laughs> he that he was sort of left with. He clearly doesn't believe that he's the right man. Was, that was the only way to interpret Nick's comments, um, which he which he sort of laid out a couple of times. But, yeah, as I, I really like Nick's approach. As he said, while he's committed himself to his media career, it wouldn't be the right thing. And he's been sounded out, I suspect, around the director of football role and I don't mind that. Is why wouldn't you tap every resource that was available? Is you've got to be having those conversations if if you're in St Kilda's position at the moment to see who's willing and who's able. So even the idea of talking to Shane Warne is is there a level of expertise on at some position in the club that 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 you could get something out of? Is yeah, I like the idea. So I guess the thing is, where they're different to normal is the change agent is already in his place and he has been there all year, and that's Simon Lethlean. Usually, the the volcanic change happens while you put the change agent in. He's already yep. there. Mm. 
Big decisions to be made, that's for sure, at the Saints, and uh, that is one we are going to follow very closely. Plenty more questions to be asked on and off the field in the crunch coming up a little later. Steve Hocking is going to be our guest next, and some of those things we've been discussing we can uh, put to Steve Hocking and get the definitive answer from a league headquarters point of view. This is Crunch Time for Honda. Find your kind of value at Honda. See honda.com.au and the TAC, Safety Barriers Save Lives, getting us towards zero also, we can reflect a little further on last night. Uh, we've got questions to be asked, too, about uh, the Q clash, which is uh, fired up on the back of Mick Robertson. You were a bit of a sledger in your time. Kane, <laughs> did you ever say anything as not pub- as Not that? publicly. I was pa- paranoid of my coaches um, <laughs> telling me off. Jeez, you've, cha- you've changed now, haven't oh, no. you? <laughs> I'm making up for it now. <laughs> All right, we'll take a break. Uh, as I said, stay with us here on Crunch Time as we lead into a huge day of footy right around the nation. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply. All right, let's delve into the game itself. How it is right now and the nitty-gritty, how it will be in the future and the vision for it. Steve Hocking has been running this exercise all year, the AFL Football Operations Manager in the box at the MCG. Steve, welcome to Crunch Time. Hi, Jared, Bob and, and Kane. Thanks for having me. Let's start with the nitty-gritty, shall we? The, the punch that Devin Smith threw last night, Steve, does the AFL, does the MRO have a capacity to deal with that anymore? Yes, they do, Jared. Um, what, uh, what what we can do is there's misconduct, which is uh, obviously need you need to uh, make um, contact. So it doesn't apply in that case. But uh, attempting to strike is is certainly uh, something that uh, we could look at. And Michael Christian, and Pat Clifton are uh, at AFL headquarters at the moment working through that. Um, I'll uh, I'll get to it uh, at the back end of these radio interviews and um, and and see where they've landed with it. Is attempting to strike a fine in the current setup? Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What what about the more broad issue of the punch, Stephen? That two weeks after what we lived through with Andrew Gaff, uh, if that punch lands last night, um, the game has another absolute flashpoint. Yeah, it's a it's a really good um, discussion to have, Jared. It, it's it's something that has amazed me within this role. Um, how you get a flurry of these uh, over the entire year? There's been a number of um, circumstances where things have been uh, a little a little more forceful than you'd like, and you sort of see it over the next couple of weeks. So. Um, it's something that uh, we've been talking about for most of the year. Um, you know, how do you how do you continue to assess this? What role do the players have in it? Do we take it out of their hands? Uh, we doubled the fines around this uh, at the start of the year. Um, I think most people are aware of my view uh, on this, and, and also the AFL's view. Um, you know, collectively, we we don't want to see this in the game at all at any level, uh, and that's what's important about this. Whatever's seen at this level um, gets mirrored down at the uh, the the next level so we we have to set the right example so we'll work on that um at the end of the season and and see how that plays out next year there's been talk about uh red cards um you know send off a whole host of things what we need to understand is are those things relevant uh when you have a look at um, some of these scenarios um these incidents they're um they're not as regular as what they have been um, in the past, uh, so clearly there, there has been uh, a stamping out of it, but to see it um, happen over the last couple of weeks has been disappointing. 
And, uh, yeah, we need to assess that and, and just understand it and, and what's the best way forward with it. So it's not easily done because we have lived through a few incarnations of it, but as a principle, would you like to try to eradicate the punch from the game? Oh, definitely, Jared. I, I think we'd all like to see that. Um, it's just how you do that effectively. If, if uh, you... Um, bring in some some rules you know, as people have talked about um, that's what I'm touching on here is is you know the red card of the send off who who activates that uh, how do you apply it um, it's another layer for for umpires uh, to become involved in I, I don't believe that's the right decision do you have a match referee that uh, you set up um, do you have a bunker system uh, whereby all that vision's coming in? Uh, if you have a look at the gaff one uh, and you, you left it to the umpires, the umpires didn't see it. So, so we need to work through all those um, all those different scenarios and, and canvas the right um, decisions around it so that the game's taken care of. And it's certainly something that I've been very clear on since I've arrived in the role that we're, we're doing all of that work in the background. So would you say that there will be change on that front next year? Uh, there'll definitely be change. I can't... Um, I can't share what that might look like, but it's certainly something that uh, we, you know, we've got at the top of the list to, to address along with a host of other things. How does it fit into the spirit of the game piece, Steve? Is coaches taking responsibility for some aspects of the way the game looks, players taking responsibility for their conduct on the fields and maybe removing some of the, I think, what you've called rubbish uh, during the year? Is Can you be successful trying to... Um, get that conversation with the participants in the game to take some ownership and responsibility for it. Look, I, I think uh, I think we can, Jared. I've been really pleased with the response from uh, the coaches. Uh, we've, we've been on a road show now for a couple of months, um, and we've managed to get to all the senior coaches and, and the James uh, of footy. And the response uh, has has been really pleasing, and the honesty as well that's uh, been conducted through those um, discussions. And there's a number of coaches that have just called out the fact that look, I could I could trust myself for 95 percent of it, but the five percent I, I would probably um, you know, question myself. So what we need to do is you know what are, what what's the tension or the overarching um, uh, whether it be penalty. Um, that you apply. Uh, one of the things we won't be doing um, around it is is getting umpires to put whistles in their mouth because we, we think that um, that's sort of where we've been as a code for a period of time now. Um, and our view is the game analysis team that uh, we've, we've built at headquarters, um, our view is that uh, that's not how we want to apply uh, some of this decision-making moving forward. So we're, we're considering a range of different ways. And then what you'll get, Jared, is you'll get, you'll get players um, and coaches. There's always a percentage, and particularly amongst players, where uh, you might get sort of 75 to 80% of players that um, adhere to it. And then there's always a percentage um, that just you know, find it difficult to do that because of... Uh, you know, how competitive they are or white line fever or the emotional um, stuff that they're encountering at the time. So we have to be realistic about that as well. But I think over time you can build layers to it would be our view. Now the big talking point over the last 24 hours, probably maybe 48 hours, is the priority pick to not only Saint, uh, sorry Carlton but also uh, the Gold Coast Suns. Where are you at with that and um, can you enlighten us? Uh, so firstly, Kane, um, we need to hear from the clubs. Uh, so they, they actually need to make contact 
contact with the AFL and, and put uh, something forward. And, and then beyond that, uh, that's a uh, discussion that needs to be had at executive level and then that goes through to the commission. So I, I would say at this point in time it's a fair way off because um, we, we haven't actually uh, heard from the clubs at this point in time. Do you, but do you encourage the clubs to, to come forward if, if you've seen something that you think... Well, oh, yeah, absolutely. We, we don't encourage them. We certainly are always in dialogue with the clubs. Um, I personally believe that environments are just as important and I'm sure you would share that view. Um, so we need to get in underneath uh, what those clubs are doing, what they're proposing to do in 2019 in the way they set their coaching programs up uh, and their people decisions and, and um, uh, hopefully sort of run alongside them and support them in that decision making. We're certainly doing that with the Gold Coast. Uh, Carlton uh, have appointed Brad Lloyd this week. Um, that's fabulous for them. A person of great value, really good decision maker, so it's great that he gets an opportunity and he, he'll be able to partner with, uh, with Carlton, I believe, in a really successful way. So uh, we'll see where it, all, uh, where it all goes in the next month. But there's no room for that priority pick to be at the end of their first selection. So if they do get one, it'll be at the end of the first round? Oh, that's, yeah, that's to be decided as to where it would get placed. There's, a, there's, a, there's that option. Uh, there's then um, uh, you know, an option around you know, potentially mature age uh, players as well. So you know, do you actually need to go to a priority pick scenario or you know, can you potentially give them access to mature age talent? Because if you have a look at those clubs um, that you, we're talking about, that's actually what they're lacking. Um, I'm not sure they need more talent. Um, that, that's a personal view. So the old idea, Steve, that the picks were at the start of the draft and your priority pick was, say, one and two, and then you get to the first round, is that off the table? Uh, no, it's still there, Jared, okay. but it's, it's, it's something that needs greater discussion um, as to you know, where the industry sits uh, on all of this. And I, I think the other thing to call out, and, uh, and it's really important around all this discussion, is the industry, you know, they, they, everybody has a say on this. Uh, we've been quite clear on the game changes uh, that we've been working through. The industry's uh, been involved in all of that, and you know, we've got to make sure that when you're sitting down having these conversations, discussions around it, and it gets to the pointy end, it's important to have um, strong clubs. So clubs like Gold Coast, Carlton and St Kilda, it's really important for all of us um, that are involved in the industry to have those those teams being able to compete on field. So what are the mechanisms uh, to achieve that? That's what we have to work through, and uh, I personally think it's broader than just uh, you know, pushing a uh, priority pick towards them. So just for clarity, Steve, is it possible that Carlton and the Gold Coast could have the first five picks in next year's in this year's draft? Well, Gold Coast um, are currently uh, flush with uh, with top end picks, so they're well on the way. Um, and uh, what I would say, Jared, is there's a lot of water to go under the bridge, so. Um, yeah, I'm not going to answer that because there's just too 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 many uh, decisions to be made around that, and there's people um, at commission level that um, you know, need to make that final decision. Steve, Bob here. I was just curious about the what, what you see as the the biggest threat to our game. Is it is it other codes, or is it is it people sort of is it the lifestyle choices and options people have outside of the game that's, that's stopping people flocking to the game? Yeah, Bob, it's an insightful question, uh, not unexpected from you, so um, thank, thank you. Um, it's, it's like to change it, gear. <laughs> yeah, look, it, it's, a, it's a really good discussion. Um, a lot of the, uh, the work that we're doing internally, it, it is lifestyle, 
Um, you know, people are busier than they've ever been, so it, it really is, you know, fighting for attention now. There's so many things in the marketplace, and, and you know, for the game to be in the strong position it is, that is because of um, all the good decisions that have, that have been made uh, in the past, and what we need to do is make sure that we continue to, you know, steward that decision-making into the future. And, and um, so your point there, I, I think that's the most relevant thing. How do we maintain our attention on our sport and above all um, continue to grow the game in the way it has you know you've got you've got um, females that are now involved in the sport that's that's just opened up a whole another area of of the sport that we haven't seen before and and that's really healthy for the game so um, yeah I, I think fighting for that attention is really really important. I'm curious also Steve with with the amount of conversation we're all having but you being at the forefront of the, the, the state of the game and spirit of the game and, the, and the, the, the potential changes to the game, I imagine it's pretty hard for you to, to, to get through your, your daily routine without having these conversations on the street. I'm wondering, is there a barista or a publican or a milk bar owner in your life that's offered you lots of advice, a constant stream of advice? Is there one that stands out? Well, I frequent the ones in uh, Willie in Williamstown, Bob, which I, <laughs> I know good. that you... That's, that's good. That might have a bit of a bulldog sort of bias towards it. Yeah, yes, definitely. You know how good that place is. <laughs> so we've been fortunate to land there as a family um, and uh, really enjoying that part. But, uh, yeah, I'm certainly, because it is a village existence, I, I am getting a lot of advice. So Steve, just tell us, Steve, how close are you to uh, deciding what changes are going to be made? Uh, we're getting closer, Jared. Uh, we've got um, another uh, trial match on today, um, and there'll be another one next weekend as well at VFL level. Um, from there, we've got uh, a commission meeting at the back end of August, uh, and that will be a workshop meeting, and we'll put a lot of the work um, and, and data and so forth, all the fan research that we've done, we'll, we'll pop that in front of the uh, commission. It's been a build-up towards that. That won't be the first time they've seen it, but there's a lot more work around fans um, and also all the vision and so forth. Uh, the fact that it's been you know, put into 100-plus minute games, uh, we've got all that, all that um, analysis and vision uh, to take them through. We've then followed that up with a competition committee um, meeting uh, middle of September, and then there's a final commission meeting, and I say final, that's where decisions um, will be made uh, at the back end of uh, September, so um, a week of grand final. Um, so yeah, that's sort of, that, that's the path um, that we're going to tread uh, over the next four to five weeks, and we're re- really looking forward to that, because we've done the work now, and um, and, and whatever um, doesn't uh, land where we would like it to, and, and you know, that's solely the Commission's uh, decision, uh, we will continue to take forward you know, a whole host of things uh, into 2019 and keep working on it because this is, this is a new uh, framework that we're, we're working towards uh, for the game and, and, it's, and uh, it's all about care. You know that, Gerard. You, you've seen uh, some of the work that we've done and uh, we'll continue to do. Are you holding your nerve, Steve, as there was the weekend that you ran the trial out at the VFL and there was a series of thrillers and uh, there was a degree of ridicule towards what you were doing? Now, well, the game just fought back and told you that it's fine. Is, are you still of the view that a level of change is necessary? Oh, look, I don't, I don't think um, anyone uh, should uh, be concerned about my nerve. Um, that, that will be held, no problems at all. Um, so I'll, I'll stay pretty um, straight and upright on that. Um, 
what I uh, what I do recognise and acknowledge is that the game is in a really good place, and and that's that's just super. Like everyone should be really happy at, um, with that and celebrate it. I certainly do. Um, it's it's. You know, the fact that we've got 11 teams um, that are fighting for the, the top eight and we've got a spot in the top four that's still available and it's around 22 is just unbelievably good for the game. But uh, what we'll continue to do is is make sure we've got the best version of the game on show and uh, uh, we, uh, we won't look to do that by putting uh, the whistle in the umpire's mouth uh, with further adjudications. We may even uh, potentially uh, streamline some of that decision-making and that's further work that we've, uh, we've got underway. Um, what we will do is adjust the game where we need to, to to make sure that it continues to just open up a little bit more than uh, what it currently has now. We've been on the roadshow with all the 18 coaches and uh, they wouldn't sit here and acknowledge the fact that um, uh, our roadshows had some impact. Um, but I, I would say that uh, those conversations, they've been, uh, they've been brought out of their club focus and, and what is important for the competition longer term. And, and um, you know, that, that would sit in their conscience because they're all really decent people and, and they understand that there's a... There's a, a um, care for the game that's got to go on, and then there's your own club um, where you need to win. Should footy fans, Steve, expect a larger goal square in 666 next year at Centre Bounces? Uh, Jared, um, that's about last week of September that'll be decided. So um, I'm on record as saying October, most of that will, will land. Um, clearly... Uh, there's there's people that uh, are struggling with the larger goal square um, due to uh, tradition. Uh, but Ron Barassi in 1966 and uh, had an agreement with uh, between Carlton and Fitzroy to roll out a diamond at uh, Princess Park, and the game's better for it now. And it, it's taken the uh, the form of a square, and uh, the game is so much better because of it. And it was for very similar reasons. They were trying to open the game up. So here we are, all these years later. And we're talking about similar things. So let's wait and see what 2019 brings. Can I just take you back to the priority pick? You, you mentioned something that uh, caught our attention with the mature age pick, and that could be an option. How would that work, and how would you roll that out? Well, it's whether it's whether or not uh, what you do, Kane, in that. There's a couple of different ways, but probably the main um, premise of that would be um, whether or not uh, players that have actually been in the draft previously um, are made available, uh, and they've missed the draft. So uh, they 22, 23-year-olds. Um, and do you do that uh, prior to the draft or do you do that um, post the draft um, and the ones that don't get selected, they actually have uh, some opportunities around that and then they'd need to navigate list spots and so forth. So there's a, there's a host of things that we're looking at to how do we support those teams um, and at the same time uh, give the whole competition access to the top end talent. And is it what's best for one club is best for everyone or it could be a different solution for both? That's that's exactly right. could be a completely different solution, yeah. Jared? On the under-18s front, Steve, there's a piece from Caroline Wilson in The Age today. Is Are you favouring over time making that an under-19s competition again? It's certainly a discussion that's that's going on Jared, yeah, the senior coaches have been quite strong on that. Um, 
I, I think that the uh, you know, just just reverting back to the original under 19s, I, I'm, I'm not sure um, whether we would we would go back to that fully, but it's certainly something that is on the table, uh, along with a host of things. What we're talking about here is a pretty long list of things that. Um, uh, we're, we're working through and it's, it's something we're not pushing back on. We're entertaining as far as, you know, how best do we, we make sure the best talent is available. Um, and, you know, for some young men and, and young women, um, you know, at 18 years of age, they're just not ready to, to show up to an elite system. Um, you know, some of them need more time and, uh, I've been, uh, I've seen that with, uh, with, with players like Matthew Stokes and I've seen it with Harry Taylor who came in as a 21 year old and then you throw in, uh, Tom Stewart. Yeah, they've been my experiences. So how do we best support them so that they're not lost to the elite level and, and they actually get to realise their dreams? So yeah, it's certainly uh, something we're, we're, uh, discussing. Is part of that lifting the draft age? Could be. Yeah, it's, um, it's it's again something that's on the table. It, it's not something that we've we've talked about extensively. That um, and and it's not something that the coaches have have, uh, have gone really hard on um, and list managers. But uh, if it if it does, uh, we'll uh, we'll give it due discussion and, and due consideration. So as we finish, Steve, just give us an idea. How have you found the job? It's as broad as I could possibly imagine from the suite of things you've spoken at, and I bet there's a lot more on your desk as well. There is, Jared. Look, I, I, I feel like I've won the lottery, to be quite honest. I, I, I sort of look at um, all of my experiences um, through football and also, you know, just my personal um, uh, job uh, uh, work that I've uh, been involved in in the past, and I, I sort of feel like it's all come together for this role. And I, I wouldn't have predicted that, but um, uh, no, look, I've, I've really, really enjoyed it. I, I've enjoyed coming out, up out of a club. Uh, role and and actually working broadly across the industry, it's it's um, it's been both insightful. Um, it, it's been I, I, you know so many good people in football. You know that at club, but when you come to this level, it's you know there's so many good people. And you know, you, you look at it, we've got a million plus fans. Um, we'll we'll uh, potentially you know, shoot beyond 300,000 attendees at games this weekend. It, it, it's pretty cool stuff to be involved in, so I'm very fortunate. Does the weight of responsibility sit heavily? Uh, yeah, it definitely does. Not heavily. Um, it, it, it sits comfortably. Um, I, I certainly recognise, acknowledge the level of responsibility that comes with it. But as I've done uh, throughout my time in football and whatever I've done, um, it's about building a team to distribute that level of responsibility. I'm at the pointy end of it. I'm the face of it, uh, definitely. But people like David Rath and and uh, Brett Munro and Pat Clifton, um, you know, Grant Williams is heading up umpiring now. Um, uh, um, they're, they're just James Podzadley. Like they're just amazing people. They've got great experiences. They're very, very different in their views uh, and their skill set. And, and that's what I love about football. You get this opportunity. That's why I talk about environments. You set up an environment that can look after the game longer term and, and what you do is you, you immerse yourself in that and uh, it just so happens to be that I, I'm at the pointy end of it, I'm, I'm the face of it but I'm, I'm very comfortable in that role and, and very fortunate to be part of a, a, an excellent executive at uh, AFL headquarters And we appreciate your insights and sharing it with us, good on you Steve, thanks Great form by you hitting play on this podcast, now check out Same Racer the brand new racing app for same race multi-tips. Same racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1800 858 858. 
on 1116 SEN, the award-winning crunch time. Find your kind of value at Honda with offers across a range of vehicles. See honda.com.au. Two games for decision this afternoon at the MCG, Collingwood and Port Adelaide. That's nearly the last stop saloon for Port. And at Geelong, the Cats have to get it done against Fremantle, who do trouble them down at Kittinia Park at GMHBA Stadium. Jared Waitley and Anthony Hudson, Bob Murphy and Kane Corns on crunch time. This is the crunch for the TAC Safety Barriers Save Lives getting us towards zero. There's a lot in the portfolio of Steve Hocking as the head of footy at the AFL at the moment. He's working through the rules and the potential changes to the game for next year. He's working through the punch, something that he believes the AFL has a responsibility to eradicate how to do it. He's working through the priority pick, so all the options do remain on the table as to how they assess that, including mature age players and picks at the start of the draft and working through the under-18s, which might morph into an under-19s competition at times. Kane, when you cast an eye over the Hocking portfolio, what jumps out at you? <laughs> he, he's, he impresses me with how he's got ice in his veins, doesn't he? That, that's what he's very, very level-headed. Look, the extra golf square, I think you can sort of decode that that is happening, the way that you asked the question, Jared, and the way that he answered it without committing to it. So footy fans, get your heads around a, a really large golf square. It's going to take some adjustment for me. How's the aesthetics <laughs> of that, Kane? Oh, it's a bigger square. It is. I, I know, but it's not a good look, Bob. It's uh, hard to look at. It's um, And what happens if there's a free kick in the golf square? Do you still get it at the top of the golf square? What happens with the rush behind? There's so many questions. What if, what if someone takes a kick out and does a snap instead of a drop punt? <laughs> Your head might just blow right off. Don't you think, Kane, so don't you think in, in three weeks into next year, we'll go, oh, where did the old goal square used to be? I can't quite yeah, pick where it used to be. Tiny little thing. Tiny little postage stamp. Remember the goal posts? And I, actually, <laughs> I actually campaigned for this along with other people. They were too short in the old days, and they actually increased the size. And now if you look at an old game of footy, you go, oh, look how small I the goal posts are. But it's harder to kick a goal. These extra height on the goal makes true, it actually. harder to kick a goal. That's the, the Matthew Richardson theory, that the higher the goal post, they actually look closer together. And I'm with him on that one. <laughs> He's an optical illusion. Messed up you guys are in the head. That's true. I did like the discussion, Jared, about um, with the priority pick that it's it's not just a matter of giving these clubs a pick. Get get your stuff in order. Get the right personnel leading the footy club because a young eighteen year old with lots of talent isn't the answer for these clubs. They, he said they've got, they've had enough of these picks. So I like that. I like the way that they'll work with the clubs to try and get that in place, like he said they're doing with the Gold Coast now. Bob, yeah, I, I think the. The quote from the interview was, I don't think anyone should be concerned about my nerve. That was the mm. Steve Hocking line. And I th- I think he quite agreed. He w- he wants change. That was from a, from a long way out. So I think the goal square, the 666, that's... That, my, my take is that's as good as in. That That's definitely happening. Uh, the priority pick, I, was, I, was a, I couldn't quite get a read on that. That was that was Kane's baby. <laughs> do, 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 do you think, Jared, that, com- that Steve Hocking will have the commission's blessing with whatever he decides in the end? Is there any question? Because that, in the past, has happened with Rules yep. Committee. Commissions have blinked at change. It, that, it, it's a good question that is hard to answer from the outside, but I would think the imprimatur that he's been given, uh, he will be able to... Um, what he recommends will be approved, and he's not going to recommend anything terribly radical. I think even those, even say Nathan Buckley, who's an evolutionist, he just goes 666, yeah, no worries, that's fine. It's a moment in time, don't worry about it, let's do it. So he's opposed to 
any real level of intervention, but what's been proposed doesn't phase him. So I think the moderate change that that is being proposed will get through. Do, do we feel like the rotations will just stay as they are? I mean, you wouldn't let yeah. me in for the, uh, Steve, for the Sorry, interview. Sorry, so. yes. Uh, <laughs> I yeah, I do. you trying to ask questions, but... Uh, uh, I do. I, I think the competition committee with the representatives of all clubs pushed back sufficiently that they are all that... We're not sure about the correlation between uh, rotations and what it's assumed anyway, and mm-hmm. they're doing a big piece of research around that, but... And that might be for futures, but I, I think the interchange won't be part of what's been suggested. Injury remains an interesting question too, doesn't it? Um, just the, the amount we've had this year and who it's been to. I, I don't know what, I mean, obviously that led to the discussion about length of, of game and, mm. and season and so forth. Smashed, haven't we? Uh, look, but this feels like one of those years. I'm a massive advocate for reducing the interchange and I think that'll help, but I'm no expert on it. Um, and you know, it doesn't seem to be a, a massive concern for the AFL, Jared, from what he was saying. No, I don't think that's that's part of their thinking. But yeah, let, let's let them finish their work. And it's not just a a one year process either. It's, mm. They're going to assess the game, assess the game, assess the game. And what happens in year one won't be the last thing that happens to it. Yeah, it, with the injuries, I mean, you, you know, Jared, is, uh, the analytics, the deep football analytics, aren't my strong suit. But with with the injury. So until we break down what type, the types of injury and, and the reasons for those, it's, it's otherwise it's the too broader brushstroke to go. There's either oh, injuries for this reason. That's what makes it so hard, though, Bob, is because I mean they, they do they've done this research and these injury reports, and I think they're really still working on last year's data largely. They have a feel for what this year has put up, and I. But the, the latest injury report, which was a while ago, said that there was less players getting injured, but they're out for longer. Out for and, longer. And, and as you said, also. Um, uh, the types of injuries over the years have tended to change. It's like one minute it's hamstrings and it's quads and then it's OP yeah. and so... The Liz Frank. The Liz yeah. Frank, I mean... <laughs> Never heard of Liz Frank five yeah. years ago. I thought, that, wasn't that one of your old flames? Justine would be listening. It would be heartbreaking to listen to. Cinder's Moses. Cindy. Cindy Moses. Uh, <laughs> this is the crunch for TAC safety barriers save lives, getting us towards zero. Hey, what about the Nick Robertson comments which have sparked the Q clash? If you're a captain, Bob, and one of your players goes on radio and just point blank says, yeah, we reckon they're soft. And it wasn't a throwaway line because he was actually quite expansive in the way that <laughs> he, uh, he filleted the sons that they take short steps and whatnot. What's your, what's your captain's view of such matters? Well, it just it, it's almost like, well, the shot's been fired now. So it's like we can deal, <laughs> deal with the breaking ranks at a later date. It's like now we just need to put the wall paint on, sharpen the swords, because this one has been ratcheted up all the they've way. Almost dis- they've almost disowned him, haven't they? It's like, oh, he didn't mean to say, he'll take them back. It's sort of like he better put his head over the ball. I, think I, don't, yeah, I, I, don't, think that, I don't think that's the right call. Even if that's how you feel, go, no, United front, go, yep, we're, we, we are in, in for a penny, in for a pound now. We played a game in, in Geelong, and prior to the game, Gary Hocking, Steve's brother, did some media. He was assistant coach at Port Adelaide, and he said a remark about Geelong's defenders, and it was it was he didn't mean it to be disrespectful, but he said it's the fact that they, they're not accountable and they like to zone off. And uh, Anyway, it got back to Geelong, and we, we found out that they were furious about this, and Buddha was just devastated by this comment. Now, it was nothing like what Robinson said in terms of calling them soft, but Kenny Henkley was furious. You could tell. Now, we lost the game, uh, as you do in Geelong, 
and he was shattered. So uh, as a club, he's just petrified of giving the opposition any ammunition. We love it as media, but he'd want to play well tomorrow or today. <laughs> when is the game? Today? This is, no, it I does. It does. Even knew the game was on until no. he said it. <laughs> it does. It does speak about the psychology, though, doesn't it? Because you do remember the times that you were slighted by an, an opposition, and and Kane mm. put it when the, the dogs went over to play Port Adelaide in Adelaide, and Ken Hinckley made the comment of, "Oh, we'll, we'll get the Bulldogs out in the elements." The, the inference there that oh, under yeah. the roof we could play. <laughs> that that was a little that. <laughs> that got a, that sort of a little yeah, knife in the take little no nah, little shiv. We're very we're very <laughs> sensitive and we're very sensitive to tall goalposts as well. <laughs> the, well the biggest one ever. Oh, oh sorry, Jared. Right. Just take me back to when my brother said uh, we were going to play the Crows in a final and they'd finished in the top four. We'd just scraped in and he said, "Oh, if we meet the Crows in a final, that'll be an absolute dream final." And this was in two thousand and four. <laughs> right. And it was a couple of weeks before the final. We ended up meeting them in the final and that was just everywhere. Front page, dream final. Chad's dream final and we got smashed absolutely <laughs> smashed Crows people still talk about the dream final actually um, just uh, speaking of Gary Hocking I was in the box the day that he said that this is a little different he said that Clint Bizzle will be the next Gary Ablett <laughs> <laughs> that was hard to live up to the crunch for the TAC safety barriers save lives getting us towards zero was anyone surprised that the Dockers are continuing with Harley Bennell and Hayden Ballantyne yes. yeah I, I don't Know they know their identity. Uh, Ballantyne is into his thirties. Had his injury worries. Which track are they going down? I'm staggered to see that they'll go with Sandilands again. Ross, you've got to move on at some point. You are rebuilding, and Benel hasn't played a game. So I, I, I was really shocked. I'd be more open that. to Benel if they feel like they've finally got oh, his body right. Mm. What, what, why would they feel that? Though? Well, if they feel like they've finally got his body right, they've waited all this long. I mean, yeah. they might as well give it more time if they can do it at, at little cost. But Valentine, I'm I'm curious about that. I, yeah, when I can't you, see much point. Especially in that. when you group them up like that, it does it does sort of raise the eyebrow, doesn't it? Well, what about Sandy? I know we don't have much time. But what about Sandy to West Coast for a year? Is that if they they're, gonna, they're most likely going to lose live set? A little bit like Drew Petrie, isn't it? But don't, don't mind that one on the rookie list or something, maybe. But um, yeah, not not at Fremantle for me. Okay. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. I think Sandilands for for West Coast for a year. Yep. Okay. So this is the crunch for the TAC Safety Barriers Save Lives, getting us towards zero. Uh, up next, Hutto will run us through the ramifications of the weekend's oh. defining games, how they might break. It'll be put your hands up if you still believe in Melbourne. We'll run that poll next that's been running right throughout the week. This is crunch Pat, time for Honda. Paddy Ryder playing, we believe, too, Jared. Yes, so they're putting them all out there. You've got to at this stage... Find your kind of value at Honda. See honda.com.au and the TAC Safety Barriers Save Lives getting us towards zero. Here's some tips for maintaining your Trex deck. Um, Occasionally wash it with some soapy water or a pressure cleaner. Trex composite decking is low maintenance and won't fade, splinter or warp. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. And welcome back to Crunch Time for Honda. Find your kind of value at Honda, chonda.com.au. And, of course, the TAC safety barriers save lives. And this is the crunch for the TAC. As, uh, we said safety barriers, very important. They're getting us towards zero. Safety barriers save lives. We continue on with our discussion of uh, the hot footy issues, and there's nothing hotter than the big games that are ahead. Here at the MCG, Cane Corns, the Pies and Port Adelaide, 
We uh, we alluded to it earlier, but uh, Ken Hinckley, as we, at this stage at least, is rolling the dice and playing all the big guns. It's a huge risk, is it not? Oh, massive risk, Hutto. Uh, well, yeah, well, it's amazing that uh, Paddy Ryder hasn't been able to finish three games this year. And last week, he, uh, well, halfway through the last quarter, he couldn't take any further part in the play, along with Charlie Dixon and also Dan Houston, who was concussed. So for him to back up, hasn't trained all week, I'm not sure where they're getting the confidence from. Clearly, they think they can put some pain-killing injections in there. But my issue with that, that'll be good for a half. What happens halfway through the third quarter once again when he can't go and the pain starts to set in? I've got some concerns over that. I'm just not sure it's the right way to go. I'm also interested in the psychology around, obviously, if he's fit enough to play, he's he's one of the most important players and you're playing. But, Bob, I'd like to bring you in here as well about if... Because there's a question on Pollock as well and, you know, trying to patch up the team and, and put them all out there because it's such a big game. How do, what, what would the other players be thinking of that call? Would they be in behind that or is it, does it in some way show a lack of confidence in the, in the, in the list? Oh, I think when you're inside the, the walls, Hutto, you, you, you're in. You say, no, no, we can do it. And by the, by the stage you get to today, the morning of the game, you're 100% into it. But, but there's also there's that little in the back of the mind of we're, we're, we're getting desperate now. There's all our eggs are in this basket, and if we get the wobbles, then then we we might be cooked because the the momentum of the last three or four months sort of culminates at this time of the year, and the sides who've you know it's like a, like a horse race. The, the sides who've had the good run tend to be able to put the foot down now, and the ones who've been buffeted around tend to fall away. Yeah, there's plenty of buffeting going on, isn't there? That's for sure. It's in the competition at the moment. I look at Goddard last night, Hutto, and I think, you know, he clearly wasn't 100% to play. And, and what was that almost the difference in the game? I mean, he had some shaky moments last night. I thought he got better as the game went on. But the game's hard enough when you're 100% fully yeah. fit, let alone 80. I reckon Goddard might have been 65 70% last night, and that could have been the difference in the game. So, And your final spot. So it's a massive risk. We'll wait and see when the teams are, are finally announced, but Kenny was pretty staunch that he was going to play. What, what, if Port missed the eight, what effect will that have to the confidence of the club, the group, and the coach? Given that, uh, I know they didn't necessarily give that much up last year, and they made that point to, to get the players that they got. But given where I think rightly they thought they should be and, and were in terms of uh, the approach they've taken to building their list, what sort of blow would it be if they Massive, don't make it? Huge. I think. Uh probably with Adelaide, the, the most disappointing um, result for the season. So I think the, the team that misses out of Geelong, we spoke about this a little bit yesterday, the team that misses out of Geelong and Port Adelaide, massive disappointment. Ken said all pre-season that they have trained to beat the best. They've recruited to improve their forward half, their scoring. They're almost the worst scoring side in the competition over the last five to six weeks, which is not the, the plan they're after at all. So he hasn't been able to coach them in a way that he wanted to, in a way that he designed and practiced for in the preseason. So, so if McGovern had missed, would that be papering over cracks? Or probably, yeah. Well, I think defensively, you got to look at it one way. Defensively, exceptional. Like yep. they're really, they, they keep West Coast to sixty odd points last week. You win nine out of ten of those games, but they just haven't been able to score for whatever reason. Um, so it's a massive issue. Whether they just completely open it up and throw the shackles off today on the MCG. It's going to be fascinating to see what game plan they come in with. Quick word on the Pies, uh, Jared and, and Bob. You've both been pretty strong fans of them, haven't you, during the year? They've just held it together so well. It's can they grip on for the last couple of weeks and take what they've set up, Bob? 
I hope so. I, I feel like they will. I, I, I feel like right from the start, they had this us-against-the-world gang mentality that we've seen in the last few years. is a very powerful thing in the league. I love the way they, they run in this way. They swarm offensively, but they also swarm defensively. And I think that's a style that holds up. I, I like them today. I, I still am hanging on to the Pies being there close to the end. It's just whether, you know, with all the, you know, to use that phrase again, the, the buffeting of the season, will, will it catch up? With yeah. Will there be that one day where the makeshift defence gets torn apart yeah. because it's a makeshift defence? Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's the thing that sort of hovers for me. Yeah. Whether or, is that likely to be today? I mean, Port will have a smaller forward line, you would think, by definition. Well, yeah, it'll happen unexpectedly. That, that's sort of mm. my view. And, and we'll go, oh, yeah, it's because they're playing with him and him and him and him and him. Yeah, well, it's going to be it's going to be a lot of talent down there today. I think mm. I know Gray and Wingard they'll load up. Watts will be there. We know he can turn it on at stages. So it's going to be another good test for them. All right, we better move on to. Sorry, no, 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 no. I was just going to say, like, as Port Adelaide, you know, with, with Dixon out, but because they've got those multiple options, one of them will get an unfamiliar defender. So they, you know, Port could be the side to, to so sort of Port have the strong record against them. Who, who wins then? Just basically your tip. Uh, I'm sticking with the Pies. Yeah, yeah Pies so Apple. Uh, yeah, I'm going to do with Collingwood. Yeah, right. I will as well, but uh, I can't wait for the game. Giants and the Swans. Uh, I, I almost feel this is tipped in favour of the Swans now with, with the players that are out, particularly Kelly. Such a big loss. Yeah, and Heath Shaw's been pretty solid for them, hasn't he, for a while. So, once again, it's almost the Collingwood thing, Jared. where is there going to be a day where we think, oh, you know, there's the, there's the tipping point. Um, and there's some, a couple of other guys underdone. Can Lob hold up in the ruck again? Uh, on at spotless, they're hard to beat. So I'm going to go with them at home. If it was at the SCG, clearly I'd tip Sydney. Yeah, it's what? so hard to measure up. I mean, you obsess over yeah. what's missing from both sides. And Nick Smith is a horrible out yeah, for Sydney. Uh, and it is, you know, and Josh Kelly, you can pick the moment the Giants' season turn, and it was when Kelly comes back into yeah. the side, he needs the one-sider against Essendon, and from there on, they look like, well, they fight off so much adversity, they look like this powerful side, and they get nine injuries in two weeks, and he's missing in this match on which, you know, I don't know whether this is the tipping point or not, but I'm, I still feel like their footy is is more vibrant than Sydney's, but yeah. maybe that's underestimating what Sydney's done over the past fortnight. No, I think it's a fair point. What I gather, and this is a little bit more than an educated guess, is that the players' resolve now at the Giants is much stronger than it's ever been, and their belief. Even, you know, I think that it'd be fair to say that even some other people close to the club maybe didn't quite have the same belief that the players now have in themselves. Whether that tips over with the injuries or not, though, is still a question I'm not sure of. But uh, it's going to be a cracking game, isn't it? It's going to be an absolute ripper. And uh, I think the, the buy is going to favour the Giants more than any other side in the competition. So they just need to get, uh, I think, at least fifth or sixth and get that home final, perhaps top four. You get Toby Green back. You get maybe Delidio back and Zach some Williams others. Zach Williams as well. Zach Williams is playing today in, yeah. in the Neeful. So, um, look, there's a lot of upside for the Giants. And that week off, like it did to the Bulldogs a couple of years ago, will be so handy for That's them. That's an interesting point, though, around with the run-up to the finals and the early stages of the finals, with all the, the injuries and the buffeting, I'll go with it again, <laughs> of the season. But at this point, who who has the option to get healthier? Because there's some, there's a lot of players who just can't come back. But yep. who, who's, who are the wild cards left in the race for well, the Hawthorne. finals? 
who yeah, who can get healthier in the next in the next month? That's a that's a that's a big part of this. That's that's that optimism. You win your first final and you start to get a few. Your, your health improves. Look out. Yeah, so Richmond, they can get healthier. <laughs> uh, there hasn't been much talk about Melbourne. They play no. they, they play West Coast, I think, this week on Sunday. Not a lot of people giving them much hope as well. But once again, would would you be surprised if? Melbourne went over and, and won without Nat Nui and Gaff and Kennedy, who's still not there. Darling's a little bit out of form, so I wouldn't be surprised if they win, but once again... I expect pretty... them to win. Yeah, really? Uh, here's the... Uh, the public narrative around <laughs> oh, Melbourne, no. I think, is fantastic. They lose and everyone drops off, and then over the course of the next seven days, everyone comes yeah, back to them because exactly. the idea of Melbourne is so powerful. It's so powerful. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I tip the Demons. I, I fully expect the Demons to win because of all the reasons, because of all the doubts that you've, <laughs> that you've just mentioned. Okay. I, I, yeah, we talked about it during the week, Jared, about Melbourne's this next three weeks for Melbourne, the biggest the biggest three weeks in the club's history since in the last eighteen years. Yep. In the, since the since the final series of two thousand where they made where they made the grand final. This is all set for them. So on the one hand we go, Oh there's part of it because we all start to giggle although part, Melbourne falling just short is kind of is kind of exciting too. But I think there's the, the carrot for them is they can rid themselves of this monkey on the back, uh, the stigma around them for the last few. They can rid them all themselves of that in the next three weeks. That's a big, big carrot. It'd be fascinating if they kind of just fall into the eighth. Then, then how will they feel going into September? It's just mu- it's, it's must watch. But they can Melbourne. If Melbourne have to, they have just have to make it first. So there's yep. the first, there's the first hurdle. Then if they if they can win the first final, their total identity, everything changes, and they become. I put them almost into. I know we're getting further down the track, but they become a major, major threat to the Tigers if they win that first one. Yeah, their narrative ends the day they win one of these games. So it could be tomorrow, it could be next week, or if, as you say, Hutto, they fall in, it could be the elimination final. But <laughs> oh, it, it, it will happen at some point. It's just, will it happen this year? <laughs> or are we going to have to wait another year for it to they're, happen? They're the new Tigers of just make, it <laughs> yes. dram- just make it dramatic for us. That's We just want drama, whether it's half a percent out, or a first final win, that's enough for us. The Tigers have new. All right, we will uh, wind it up there because there's footy to be played and we can't wait to bring you all the best of the action. This has been Crunch Time for another week with thanks to Honda. Find your kind of value at Honda. See honda.com.au and the TAC, Safety Barriers Save Lives, getting us towards zero. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.